You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. starts innocently enough. You see a video that someone you trust is linked to you, and you click it. <laughs> now, I know better than to be rickrolled by strangers. However, as this was sent by someone I trusted, I made the incorrupt assumption that the video was safe. Sadly, it was not. Inside of the first couple of minutes, I was assaulted with a spoiler for a game I am currently playing. No, I said, perhaps a little too loudly and fumbled for the pause button, followed by a, well, god damn it. The game in question is Hatful Boyfriend, and the so-called friend in question is one Sam Odian, represented as shy little Sammy Chan in my Hatful Boyfriend playthrough. And now, despite having painstakingly worked at romancing the mysterious dove from the library, she may as well just send his invite by Ouija board, seeing as she knows he's dead! He's dead. This is one surprise amongst an endless stream of dating sim stupidity and awful bird puns could have been the only reason to play this game. And now it's been a whisk for me. I kind of want justice. I didn't watch the video. <laughs> it's the podcast I listen to regularly, and I knew they were going to have a special how to fall boyfriend, like little mini So I went, yeah, let me send this to Roger. I didn't listen to it. What the hell do I care? (laughs) Now, if this little argument seems odd, allow me to lay this on top of that for you. All of this occurred while seated upon yon toilet with pants around my ankle, (laughs) saying a little bit too loudly to my iPad, God, no! And then kind of immediately casting shifty eyes to the side, hoping nobody heard that. It really disturbs me that you think about Sammy Chan while you're on the toilet. (laughs) Well, after I saw the video, yes, I had to. <laughs> Come on. So I am actually still playing Had a Full Boyfriend. However, it's work. Like this is, well, it's I, work. I, I have seen in comment threads uh, that there is a vast expanse of other storylines in that game that are quite hidden and really rewarding if you can find them. <laughs> I was romancing that damn duff. <laughs> <laughs> he was the only one I cared about. I just wanted to know that away from you me. You volunteered for this duty too. Like Hold this on. is all you. Give Sir Reginald a dove. <laughs> What's funny is as I'm playing it now, I have really not read up on this at all. I've never even read any reviews on it, nothing. So the only thing I have to go on are a few people's opinions of when I was asking about it initially and if it was worth playing or whatever. What's funny is that I don't I don't know who this is targeted to because I can't oh, imagine that it has too strong of a female interest because it you really strikes mistaken. you as it yeah, but it comes off as mocking dating sims. You would be very, yeah. very mistaken in that oh, it, my entire it, Twitter feed is all women that played this. 
Okay. It's very obviously a satire, but if it's a satire, mm-hmm. something you enjoy, you can still enjoy it. Yeah, well, not necessarily. I mean, if you take it seriously enough, then you won't. I, case in point, I do follow someone uh, in Twitter feed, and she was saying too at one point that she wasn't interested in playing this because she knew it was just making fun of dating sims. So, okay, but then as I'm playing it, the problem is is that this game takes itself seriously. Like it's it's a freaking dating sim in its eyes. It, the the few puns that are in there, notwithstanding, but you take that out, and it's it's actually trying to be a serious dating sim. And so, like that's what kind of is making it for me to be like work because, like, if you take a, a, a <laughs> go ahead, you can't put yourself into the situation to figure out which dreamy boy to chase after. Dreamy bird. <laughs> It's, it's a bird. As long as you do that, I was doing all right with the pigeon. Okay. Um, but no, the, the problem is, is that like, if you look at other dating sims, Japanese, especially, obviously there's that catch. That's something that's going to make it different than other ones. That's going to keep your interest. And when that's the case, then whatever that may be can continue to hold your interest throughout the entire thing, because it's an interesting thing that comes out throughout. Whereas this is just a, a catch. It's just a, you know, it's just a play on it. It's not really anything. The characters in and of themselves aren't that interesting just because they're birds. So you get those constant scenes where it's made apparent that these birds and then, but then it still continues to try this, be this dating sim. So you don't have interesting people. They're just people who are, oh, they're actually birds. It's It's kind of hard to, rationalize all this and not sound like a freaking idiot but it's just succeeding it's it's comes off so bloody dull and it's like the first little bit there's a few little oh this one's this type of bird this one that one and then after all it's like oh my god this is so yeah i'm i'm just slogging just to get this damn thing done so we appreciate your hard work it is it's freaking hard work and now it's made even worse because there's no point going after freaking Ghost Dove anymore. Bastard. All right. Let's talk about something cool. The second episode of Tales from the Borderlands came out, and both Vince and I played through it. This one's called Atlas Mugged. And keeping in with the first episode, tons of actions, lots of crazy, crazy shit going on right from the get-go with the retinal scan that needs to be done. Like, it's just nonstop ridiculousness. And one of the things that I I liked is that uh, it had even less of the point-and-click-and-walk-around than Mm -hmm. the first one. It it used a lot of different other techniques, which they've used as well, like the driving, the different things like that. And I found it was even more interactive than the first one, actually. Oh, absolutely. And the thing I really loved about this, though, and it's so true to the Borderlands franchise, is the usage of music. Oh, God, yeah. The title sequence in this game may be my favorite out of the entire Borderlands franchise. Like, probably up there with Borderlands 2, because that was a damn good song. Yeah, no, I agree. It's the the music is always spectacular with them, and and it really puts you in the mind of being in the Borderlands IP. Yes, it's made by Telltale's, but you have to feel like you're in Pandora, and that's 
that's what it feels like. So yeah, I I agree. It's very cool. Yeah, at, at no point did it feel like a Telltale yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. It felt like a Gearbox Borderlands game yeah. that just happened to play like The Walking Dead. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, the uh, I'm actually about to start my playthrough tonight. Oh yeah, you always, you you'll enjoy it a lot. I, I'm sure of it. The voice acting again by uh, Troy Baker and Laura Bailey for for uh, recent Fiona. Absolutely fantastic. Um, the guy that gets conned in the first episode of August is actually Nolan North. He was back for some more here. And then, of course, Handsome Jack, uh, Damian Clark was there. Like the voice acting throughout. And, of course, um, Warburton was back for, for quite a bit, actually, too. Mm-hmm. And he's really getting into that character. Like you really enjoy the interactions with him and i i know for me at least i was seeing a lot less of warburton the more it was it was going on like i there was uh the scene where he's holding you at gunpoint and you have to like hack the car or whatever i i actually got shot in the face because i was having too much fun just listening <laughs> to, to vasquez fussing over the gun it was hilarious gun, yes. <laughs> so in this one here the the team splits up fairly fast and you have well you have the first scene initially too where they're stuck again in that kind of vault that opened up and oh my god (laughs) okay spoilers okay (laughs) if i didn't make that (laughs) clear from the beginning of the show uh but yeah spoilers when (laughs) you know what's coming for the retinal scan (laughs) you know what's coming but the manner in which it's done is what made me go oh god (laughs) (laughs) That's friggin' awesome. And right from the get-go as well, you get even more of the he said, she said aspect of the story, which we saw in the first episode, but they're using it even more effectively in this one here to the point where it's a lot more kidding around with what happened now as well, which then allows for a lot more leeway in the storytelling for each of the people to the point of, you know, somebody's head exploding and you know, they're going to be safe because you see them walking with the bandit guy later on. So it's a lot more silly fun for those retellings. The bro scene is one of the funniest (laughs) moments I've ever experienced in a video game. The whole point with him being buff and that being something. Oh my God, Vaughn. Oh, (laughs) please put a shirt on. It's a little disorienting. And when in the first episode, were you mean to Loderbot or were you nice to I now regret asking Loderbot to self-destruct. I don't because it's hysterical that I get tossed around like a freaking (laughs) rag doll by him now. Vaughn gets he placed down. Bump. I well, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was a. It, it's Loderbot is freaking hysterical. If there'd be one reason for me to replay this game, it would be just to see what the outcome is with him. If I'm nicer to him, <laughs> so the um, the entire stuff with the their racing car whatever that hell that thing is to um leading all the way to to scooter and whatnot like you get a lot of again like i was saying the cool mechanics of the 
more action and not just walking around pointing and clicking at stuff. So that whole scene from that point on, it really set the tone. And again, like you're saying with the music and everything too, really set the tone so that because it's almost immediately after that Vasquez is back and you're, you're hitting the ground running. It was, again, I really enjoyed this one and I enjoyed it quite a bit more than the first one actually. Yeah, definitely. Because as I said, now that we have all the background and origin stories out of the way, we can actually get into the characters. But did, did you spend the money on the scooter special? No, actually, I didn't. I wanted to keep my money because I don't know what's coming up. I couldn't resist. I spent the 15,000 credits. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's hilarious. But, it, but the best part, and this shouldn't be a surprise, handsome friggin' Jack. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Just the way that they're working him in, how he's kind of like this glitched part of Reese's software, if you will, where he only comes out when Reese gets hit in the head, which is usually at a most hilarious point. When he pops out, he's like, how is it every time I see you guys, you're in an even worse situation than the time before? Jack, it, we've spared no love for Jack and our acknowledgement that he is the best character in the Borderlands franchise, so... My one hope is that at the end of this, Jack comes back somehow. I love handsome Jack needs to live. Yeah, I love a free Jack takes over rise. Yeah, I love how his voice acting is gets progressively more and more frantic. The more he Mm -hmm. starts to believe that he is in fact dead and only the software and it just starts to get a little bit wilder each run kind of thing. So yeah, I absolutely, I, I, I love that in there. That was so awesome. There were a whole bunch of different things like you were mentioning too, with the, uh, the scooter, you can switch up your, 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 whatever you want to call that stupid thing. You also, we had a few more choices. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But it's kind of a blend of a, Freaking trike in a <laughs> The um, there was also more choices of how to proceed with your story, so you could decide to go directly to where you needed to go, or to go where the. By that point, you're with Reese and and Vaughn, so you need to decide if you're going to Fiona or leaving them to do their own thing. I actually chose to go to the other location. I figured, hey, women folk got their part down pat. Let them do what. No, no, they're responsible women. They can do it. It's like you have to earn the loyalty of your subordinates. Yeah, well. <laughs> so it was, uh, again, I, I liked it. The, the one thing that I found with this one was that um, the presence of Athena was really not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. She's there it was for enough, a few though. minutes and that was that. And not because we don't know much about the character because we haven't done the, the pre-sequel, but just because... There was a really, I don't want to say what the scene was for those who haven't played it yet, but it really is not a whole hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. But we, we also get the feeling that she's going to be back. Yeah. Like she might be a recurring character going forward now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, here's hoping because it is an interesting character, uh, character for sure. Okay. So it's any Captain part of America thought? on Pandora. Yeah, but more manly than <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Shots fired. Holy shit. All right. Let's move on to some Final Fantasy 14 because we've got more information about Heaven's Word, but also the three of us have been playing. So let's first cover the news about um, Heaven's Word, and then we'll talk about what it's been like for us having started this because there are still a lot of people who haven't given this 
shot this game a shot so this being us we've just started is a perfect time to kind of go over our experiences in the you know pre 1 to 20 kind of area yeah the playstation blog had a great interview with uh, naoki yoshida who is the director and producer of the realm reborn version of 14 and reading this interview it just reaffirmed how much respect i have for this development team and the amount of work they're putting into this product uh, you look right off the bat when they're talking about the content they've put in outside of the expansion, specifically talking about the gold saucer, which honestly I can't wait to actually dive into that and start collecting the cards and all that good stuff. But he says it was a conscious decision to add lots of new content, including the gold saucer, near the end of the 2.x storyline to make sure players had plenty to do until Heaven's Word launches. It's kind of a shot at Blizzard, isn't it? <laughs> Little bit. Like, okay, here's a patch. Enjoy this one raid for the next 14 months before the expansion comes out. There's nothing else to do in WoW right now, so come on. (laughs) They're not lying. But Garrison's! (laughs) I got nothing. I'm sorry. Moving on. Moving on. on. (laughs) They also discuss how the game is still continuing to grow as well. They said they recently passed the 4 million registered users milestone, which in a World of Warcraft occupied world, 4 million is a lot that's to a sustain lot. and continue to grow. I agree. I agree. That's that's a lot more than I thought they had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I love how you said that, you know, they're using those resources that it's not just money coming into the coffers. They're paying it forward to the more the more people that are subscribing, the more stuff they can put into the game. They're not just sitting back and following their plan as the player base continues to grow, they can continue to expand upon what they wanted to do. And I really enjoyed how they were talking about how, and I noticed this from playing the game, there's a lot of things in 14 that take inspiration from previous Final Fantasy games. Uh, as he said, we strive to achieve is to be a Final Fantasy series theme park. You have original attractions that could be good, but we also want to incorporate elements that Final Fantasy players from any generation will recognize and be attracted to. So they want to draw inspiration from those other games without necessarily replicating them, which is a delicate, tight-roped balance. Like I said, they don't want to put Cloud and Sephiroth in the game because that would just you know, be hokey and there's no way they could do it to live up to the characters or the players' expectations looking at you, Kingdom Hearts. But they can take elements of what made Final Fantasy VII in that particular scenario successful and add that in. Like they said, in Heaven's Word, the majority of the game is focused around the floating continent, which is borrowed directly from Final Fantasy VI. And now he's saying he's always wanted to go to the moon, like in Final Fantasy IV. Give me that expansion. (laughs) There are still many classic elements from Final Fantasy that we can incorporate, and we want to continue blending them into 14 for fans to enjoy. So just everything, every time I hear him talk about the game and the amount of dedication that he has into making it the best game they can and making it a true Final Fantasy experience for the players, it's it's it really has me excited to keep at it. Which is interesting because up until you renewed this, when was the last time you played an MMO? Wildstar. And for how long? Maybe a month and a half. Yeah, that doesn't really count for much. I, you I, did a I little yet. So. I've put more time into Final Fantasy fourteen over the last two weeks than I did into Wildstar probably over that month. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you are right now the furthest of us 
Oh, you yeah. dinged uh, 20 what? 22, I think. Right. Okay. And Joe, and, you're sitting uh, at? Already up, already up to level eight on the minor, just because I was goofing around on minor while listening <laughs> to a podcast the other day. <laughs> uh, I think I made it to 11 on my archer. I'm still trying to figure out the whole jobs thing. Yeah. I actually, I hit 11 on Lancer and I've got 11 on my little arcanist as well. So, because that's, again, I don't understand all the class and jobs either. I'm, I'm working on it, but it is far different than what we're used to. And then there's the attribute points as well, too, which I didn't quite know all of that. So Vince helped me with a little bit still, of that. Still having that discussion. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and I also wanted two characters because the the little Lala, whatever they're called, uh, that's the one that I'm playing with my son. Lala so, fell. Yeah. So, and then the other one, I can just kind of do whatever I want. But Joe, what, uh, again, you had played it some during the, the free trial, the free trial stuff, and you were enjoying it a lot. I'm sure. I'm assuming that's still the case. It, it it really is. I'm enjoying the combat more than I thought I would, and far more than almost any other MMO that I've played in a while. Not so much that it's anything bright, fresh, and new. At least not at low levels with an archer, but because it makes sense. Like I'm an archer. I can move and fire arrows. I had to wait 10 fucking years to do that in WoW. Like, <laughs> seriously? 10 fucking years in WoW before I could do that. And here it's like, well, it just makes sense. Archers are mobile creatures. They can go and do their thing. Uh, I like that. I like the fact that it has an execute uh, at low levels, which is really kind of cool because it's that extra little button to push. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but when you have low-level tunes and you have that level gap that you have to fill... Every little extra button you add every couple levels makes a difference in the enjoyment of gameplay. Because if I'm just spamming the same damn button over and over and over again for, you know, 17 fucking hours, it's boring <laughs> as shit. But every couple hours or every, you know, every couple levels, I'm getting another new thing to learn how to work with. Whether it's a silencing shot that roots them in place or whether it's my execute or learning when to properly use my damage buff or how my skills interplay with each other. So like stuff like that is kind of important to me and it's really engaging. Also choosing weapons because it does matter for an archer because that attack speed is sort of the filler for your auto attacks and you have to take that into consideration because you're not exactly a tanky character. You're going to get, you, you get something in your face and you can't move out of its way. It's going to wail on you. The faster you can kill it, the easier your life is going to be in general. I, and I really, really enjoy that. I also really just enjoy the locomotion of just going through the areas. I'm finding all sorts of little things that in other MMOs would be no fly zones. Like I can run through a fallen tree which is kind of a really interesting experience because, again, in other MMOs, here's an invisible wall. It looks cool. You can see the other side of it, but fuck you. You ain't running through it. Here, not so much. You find a path, you can go up, and I have not I have not found an invisible wall yet in the starting areas. Really? Yeah, I've, I've found areas that I can't physically get to because there's a goddamn mountain, but that's different. It's not an invisible wall. It's something I can see. It's It's tangible. I actually that's, found one myself, and that's what kind of put me off for a little bit until I realized that happened to be kind of a, a weird flute because it was blocking a stream 
jumping down into the stream. And I thought, you're kidding me. I'm not going to be able to jump down and stream. This was fairly early on. And it just happened. I did on the other side and realized, oh, it's just right in that one spot. There was this invisible wall <laughs> blocking you from jumping in the stream. But I mean, it, it's just something that I want to commend them on just because it's such, it seems again, like a minor thing, but we're all MMO veterans at this point. We've all experienced that. Why can't I run over this goddamn hill and to have, like, I haven't experienced it. You've had one instance of it. I mean, that's yeah. pretty big because yeah. by the time you're, you're this level and, and wow, you've spent half of your time banging your head against shit you can't get to. In terms of questing and whatnot, what I liked was that, and both Tristan and I agreed as we were playing together too, is the sheer amount of questing that you will do before you even leave town. Before mm-hmm. you even kill anything the first time. And granted, those kills aren't all that heroic feeling either. Going after freaking little ladybugs. Someone <laughs> has to protect the flowers. But uh, but in terms of, of gameplay, a lot of their tutorials and whatnot, quests are spoken quests that you go and mm-hmm. you get your quests. It's, it's a little disjointed because it's kind of like being in a slightly animated novel like kind of thing because you just click through all the text and you press the x button for an hour and a half and then you get to play the game that's, that's it so there's a lot of that where it's there's not voice acting to the point where the voice acting when it does come up every once in a while it kind of is a little <laughs> bit shocking um but i'm all right with that because again it's it makes for this immersive reading environment so i liked the questing in the beginning like there's again very few go kill this no, go around and help with this and do that and whatever kind of thing. And then by the time you finally are out of town, well, you've gotten at least one level and you, by that point, have a really good feel for your abilities, how to play and different things like that. I would, I would disagree with one little point. Uh, there is a lot of go kill this, but it's really well disguised. Later on, yeah, once you're out of town, yeah, everything needs to be killed or yeah, and, and it's also not go kill 50 of these. It's kill four. Yeah. And we'll give you enough experience as if you had killed 50. But then but then the interesting thing is as an archer, too, because you have the hunter's log, it gives oh, you every extra. class has the hunter's log. That's yeah. brilliant. OK, I wasn't even I wasn't even aware that every class had except I've only played the archer. But that's a brilliant friggin addition because that makes me not really mind going and killing shit because it's filling up a log. It's filling up a secondary goal for me. Well, and that's one of the things I really like is the sheer amount of options you have as you're leveling. Like on your first character, or let me rephrase that, on your first class as you're playing through on your character, you're going to do a whole bunch of quests. But it's actually required that you're going to have to level at least one other class to 15 to unlock your advanced job. But like I said, you can level every class if you want to. But your second time through. Only hmm? 10 for part. Really? It's uh, 10 pugilist and 15 archer. No, it's not. It's level 30. It should, it should be 30 and 15. It's 30 and 15. Is it 30 and 15? Yeah. yeah. 30 archer and uh, Puglis 15. Man, I read something way wrong then. Screw anyway. you, internet. <laughs> As I was saying. Yeah, like, so those quests aren't going to be there because you already did them. So you have these other options for how to level up. You have your hunting log. It tells you, go kill these things. Kill enough of them, you get bonus experience. They have the guild leave system. Which is just, again, it's like an extra quest. It's more, okay, go kill these dragonflies. Or what's really cool is the guild leaves customized depending on what you're doing. If you're on a gathering job, it'll be like, okay, bring me 20 pieces of copper ore. If you're on a crafting job, okay, make me four 
rocking horses or whatever. So it customizes itself based on what class you have, but you have to have a balance. Like it's not endless. You earn, I think three of them a day. So you save them up for a while and then you can cash them in on a later character. And as I said, when I first played the game, I was playing on a pugilist, which was a lot of fun. And even playing two separate melee classes, now that I'm a marauder, fundamentally the same combat system, vastly different in actual gameplay. Because the pugilist, being a hand-to-hand boxer-type character, is really built around literally ducking and weaving. A lot of your moves will do different damage based on your orientation to the enemy. You have damages, attacks will do more damage if you're at the side, attacks will do more damage if you're at the front or the back, not to mention constantly switching forms like an actual kung fu fighter, really fun stuff. But I couldn't do any of the group content because the cues were just outrageous. That's why I gave up when I did. So now that I'm a tank character and I get instant cues for anything I want, I really like how they weave in the group content. Starting off at level 10, I think it is, you start to unlock the guild hests, which are just tiny little group combat scenarios. Here's a couple enemies. Find three other people. Go kill them. And it really gets you into that mindset of how to play with the party. Because your first encounter is, here's three enemies. Kill the three enemies. After that, it teaches you how to pull enemies away, how to avoid AoEs. It teaches you how to function in a group so that by the time you get to level 15 to 18, which is when the first dungeon is, you have no excuse for not knowing how to play as part of a group because the game has taught you all of that along the way. I actually haven't had I, not high enough level yet to have gotten in a group. So, of course, my guys are both DPS. So. And there's also a, a huge... Um, what was carrot she's incentive that's the word i'm looking for incentive that each guild hest the first time you complete it on each class you get a ton of bonus experience Hmm. so i'm playing through on a tank okay i I get huge bonus experience for playing through on a tank well next time if when i want to be a warrior i need to have i think it's my lancer up to 15 so when i play through it again on the lancer i'm going to learn how to dps in a group instead of tank in a group so There's an incentive to play through it multiple times across multiple classes, learn multiple roles. It's very, very well executed. Hmm. I actually, the the Arcanist that I made is with the intention of making it into a a white mage or maybe a scholar, but probably the white mage. And because I want to mess around with the healing. So Tristan Mm -hmm. and I have been playing together and he's actually doing the same thing. He's got um, an arcanist, so he's got the heals. Of course, he's probably going to take it the summoner route, he was saying. Anyways, so we're tossing heals willy-nilly to each other to keep (laughs) ourselves alive (laughs) as we're playing, which is fantastic. But I had to do some research to see like how they handle they're healing because there's no mod, so it's not like you can install a heal bot or something. So you're doing it yourself, but the the game has a very very robust macro system yes. with like mouse over and stuff too so that's where most of the healers i've been reading have a really good collection of mouse over macros and things like that to be able to do all of their heals so that's been fantastic the one thing i i will criticize and now that i'm playing through the storyline and I'm now really glad I abandoned my DPS character because I finished the first in, the first dungeon, first full dungeon, which was a lot of fun, you know, kind of standard Dead Minds level stuff, but still interesting. And I'm like, okay, now I can continue with the storyline. 
So I do a couple more quests. And the next quest, the next important quest is, okay, now do another dungeon. You have to basically run three starter dungeons back to back to back required to progress with the story. So if you're a DPS class without a healer or tanking friend, it's uh, it's it's That's a grind. Brutal. Although it does have the wonderful level sync system. So, Joe, if you need to run the dungeons, you can team up with me and I'll play through it at level 18 regardless of or 17 for the first one, regardless of what level my actual character is. So it gives you that opportunity to play with friends regardless of what their levels are, which is something we've seen other MMOs do in the past, like mm-hmm. as, as as long as, or what is it a decade ago? Um, City of Heroes was doing that, so it's nice to see right. that more games do that. You know, I wish more mainstream games would actually start to adopt that. <laughs> uh, and it's it's actually important to get through all that story content, early dungeons, late dungeons, because from what I've heard, in order to start the story in the expansion, you will have had to complete all of the story events up through 2.5. Yeah. So it they and they even say, well, you know, if you if you haven't played in a while and you want to come back and play again, start one of the new classes and level that up through the story and get to experience all the stuff you missed. I don't know if you guys have any parting thoughts. I, again, I know that I've been seriously digging it. There are a few things that I'm not crazy about, like the tab targeting. If yeah. you're, there's something really wonky about the tab targeting. Like, yeah, it's it's screwed me once or twice tanking. Yeah, it's like really weird. It's targeted something at the far end of the cave for whatever reason when there's no something two feet in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, really it just it progresses weird. very linearly left to right with no regard to range. Yeah, I it kind of I'm not crazy about that. But that's one of the few things that's been an issue. They, they it would be nice if the game looked a little bit better. But I mean it's kind of showing its age, but that's fine. It's still you know, even so. on Ultra, that game is still gorgeous. Like it's it's nothing to scoff at. Visually. It's nice looking, but it's not gorgeous. I don't know about that. Like some scenes, like the outdoor scenes, but when you kind of zoom in on characters, you can see the lack of complete detail. Sure, yeah. So, but with Heaven's Word, they they did address that actually during the um, the, the the session that they did. And um, where they interviewed them, and they are going to be enhancing it. So Heaven's Ward area should look quite a bit and i'm gonna guess that those new races as well that new race is going to look spectacular because they'll have more polygons in them mm-hmm. so let's move on to some other news now we can you didn't want to get your rant out of the way about that though about what what's been up your ass about that game for the last oh yeah i was going to say that earlier thank you for reminding me square enix you a bunch of jackass bastards <laughs> You don't charge for another client. They keep saying they're going to be charging for the Mac client, but they call it, it's another platform. Bullshit. Unless you intend on keeping the Mac players and PC players separate, it's the same platform. It's just a different client. And charging people for the Mac client when they are PC members already is the douchiest douche things you guys could do. It's horrible pissed me off to no end because of course i just bought for myself and for my son it's like the next day i I oh my god he's already gonna quit (laughs) both of us 90 days prepaid as well which we will go through with but i mean for me i was it's not gonna matter as much for my son because he plays on his laptop but i'm playing on the boot camp side of my amac I would like to be able to play on the Mac side. And it was announced 
you would assume nobody's going to be that much of a douche that they're going to charge you for a Mac Lite. But apparently these assholes are. I'm just, just hoping... Just them. I ordered through Steam. I'm just hoping that Steam is not going to be a jackass and that they'll actually allow you to download the Mac Lite. That's how they are with their other games. But yeah, I was not impressed. <laughs> that is really... It'd be like if, if Blizzard started charging extra for their Mac Lite. What the hell? You can't do shit like that. That's stupid. Okay, I feel better. I wanted to make sure you got that out. What's that, Joe? Yeah, that moment of catharsis. <sighs> Sadly, I'm so freaking... Wonked out by the pain, new painkillers, that even that felt disingenuous. You got to wow. yell at me. You got to yell at Square. I was mad. <laughs> like, not throw my keyboard kind of mad, but I heard that. I was like, are you fucking tweeting me? very aggressively mad. There was some aggressive, passive-aggressive. No, not so much passive. Uh, there was some aggressive-aggressive. Aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, let's talk about oh, some Batman. I, uh, I sent Joe a link. There was some news about Arkham Knight. And he sounded like he was probably as excited as I was when I heard about it. So I'm going to start with what is probably very cool for a lot of people. There's going to be DLC, and that's a dirty word, until <laughs> you hear what it's going to be about. There's going to be a prequel DLC starring Harley Quinn, where you will play as Harley Quinn with a baseball bat, going through the Bloodhaven Police Department, going to rescue a near and dear friend. I'm going to go ahead and guess that that's Poison Ivy because everybody's favorite thing lately has been that wonderful partnership between Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. And it's taking place in Bloodhaven, which is an important part of the DC universe. It's one city, one place involving a certain Nightwing. So I'm sh I, I'm hoping that we're going to see something along those lines of two wonderful miscreant characters that are near and dear to my heart wreaking havoc through Bloodhaven while being pursued by Nightwing, because that would just be absolutely hysterical. And it's going to be a prequel to the actual Arkham Knight, uh, set, like the entire setup. Oh, I'm really excited about that, and I hate DLC, but oh my god, am I going to play the shit out of that. Again, though, it's DLC is, it doesn't always have to be a dirty word. I mean, we've seen some that is spectacular. So this is the... The, the pre-order DLC and it's different based on where you pre-order the, the Sony one is the one that I had been talking about. That was well, this the, one's Amazon, yeah. the uh, scarecrow. This one here is through Amazon. Amazon. And then the one for GameStop is something to do with red hood. So I oh, scarecrow or Harley. I'm like, which one do I want to do? I'll probably actually wind up ordering from Amazon because this sounds like a ton of fun, and it is going after Poison Ivy. They did say that much. But Excellent. what they didn't say was whether or not you will bump, bump into Nightwing, and that would be freaking awesome. It would have to be. There's no reason to put it in Blue Haven if you're not going to. Exactly. Exactly. Like you have, you have it, that. It would be like going to Metropolis and not running into Superman. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So to, to me, that's awesome. That, and I, it makes me really curious how because like you were saying too they said this is going to tie right into arkham knight so if they're over there how is that going to be tying in then with with arkham knight it's like and, across the river it's not that yeah far but it did, with the characters as well again if they if it is going to have something to do with nightwing 
does that mean we're going to have more of a presence well, we, from him in Arkham Knight as well? I wouldn't be surprised because the way that they seem to be setting up Arkham Knight, at least story-wise, is that it's going to be pulling in from... It's like the Opus, right? It's like the Magnum Opus is going to mm-hmm. be pulling in from all aspects of every game that's come before it and the mythos of Batman in general. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is all set up for, you know, powerful story hooks that we're going to see later on. Yeah. I, speaking, I, okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, in speaking of seeing things that have completely impressed the shit out of me, I no longer fear the Batmobile being in this game. <laughs> <laughs> so we got the wonderful, 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 wonderful little trailer that was uh i think it was what did they call it, it was man down yeah or officer yeah, down a, yeah. and it was a wonderful showcase of the gameplay of batman and how it works in with the batmobile there is a necessary batmobile section which we knew there was going to be some of that but it's more a means of locomotion at least from what they've shown that is optional not absolutely necessary all the time, which is phenomenal. They're not forcing me into it. But when I did see of it, tearing around city corners, launching myself out of the, or, you know, launching yourself out of the Batmobile into pure glide mode at mock speed is just amazing. Everything that I'm seeing about this has renewed my faith in this franchise enough to the point where I will be buying this day one even despite the fact that it got pushed back to June 23rd. <laughs> Which is now the exact same day Heaven's Word launches. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I actually had to watch the trailer twice because the first time through, I was just it, I, that? mesmerized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not words gooding today. <laughs> I was just mesmerized by the city. Like, we knew it was going to look nice, but it just felt so real and alive. Like I was just looking at buildings and signs and I, I was like, Oh wait, he's something cool is going on. I need to rewind. this." Yeah. The environment looks even better. And again, the, I mean, Arkham city is, I, I can attest to as I'm playing it now, it is still showing its age as well. Even with <laughs> everything maxed out, it still looks amazing without a doubt, but it is definitely showing its age. So this year, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's going to play and whatnot because, again, it's it looks gorgeous. It just looks so bloody good. Okay, let's move on to some Crowfall news because we got a little bit more on that as well. We got more information about Kingdoms, but we also got information about like their mounts, their new stretch goals as well. Joe, I'm going to let you take this. So at the time that we did the scouring of the links they had hit 1.3 million dollars in pledges i'm pretty sure that they are far above that now uh in the final hours of their yeah they're i think they're right at the tail end of it right now regardless uh at 1.3 million pledges uh that unlocked the mount system and the caravan system so the mount system was one of the things we were talking about with the non-permanent mounts uh with the unlocking of the mount system comes three backer exclusive mount figurines the quarter horse which is kind of like your standard like dappled mare your war horse which is like a clydesdale you know spewing steam from its nose and the nightmare steed which is a horse on fire very very cool looking uh i absolutely love what i said there i just think it's hilarious here's a horse on fire here's an awesome war horse 
here's a pony. Yeah. <laughs> like, Everybody wants really? one. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna laugh when that pony winds up having like kick-ass stats. You watch. <laughs> so the caravan unlock also is going to unlock a plethora of new types of quests and combat. Uh, whether it's going to be escorting the caravan from point A to point B or defending the caravan, uh, as well as being a tactical objective where you can attack the caravan of your enemy and potentially steal resources or whatever the scenarios they have set up, which is really kind of cool because. Caravans are boring in every game. Escort quests are boring in every game. The fear of being jumped by other players, well, that actually kind of excites me. Because they're at least smarter than sometimes yeah, than the no, pieces. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree. It's, it's trying to insert any sort of excitement as you can into caravans and things like that. It's pretty hard to do, but this could do that for sure, yes. And if that wasn't enough... They decided that instead of having the staggered awards for the Great Pack Pig, they're just going to roll it in with the mount. Mm-hmm. So that's unlocked as well. So you get you, you can actually have a pack animal that's a giant great pig. I don't know. That sounds pretty cool to me. Yep. A little anchor. Yep. The other bit of news we got was about the eternal worlds, the eternal kingdoms. This is what we're talking about before where there's the campaign worlds and then there's the persistent worlds where players can actually build things up, whether it's uh, keeps, mountains, or whatever they basically want to put in there. It's going to be their persistent world. Uh, Campaigns are going to be there to allow players not only to progress as a character, but to unlock other resources to build up these eternal kingdoms. Uh, The starting is going to be a three by three grid, three miles by three miles in game grid, which will hasn't been finalized as far as what that size is going to be. I suspect that'll be through gameplay and feel, but three miles in game. That's a lot of space if they scale it right. I know that even in games like Wildstar, that plot wasn't very big, but the crap people did with that was absolutely phenomenal. They can potentially give you a lot of space to do things with. Uh, But again, these are going to be persistent, so what players put up there are always going to be there. Uh, And then as they grow, you can purchase more lands or you can unlock more lands, uh, which is actually kind of cool. They haven't really determined everything that's going to affect cell size. Uh, the mounts and caravans will definitely have an effect on that, which will now potentially make them bigger because mounts and caravans are going to be a thing. Uh, so that's actually kind of cool, too, where they're taking into consideration the locomotion of the player into the size. So, yeah, that's actually kind of cool. At least I thought it was was interesting. And it looks like there's going to be a almost like a Terraria-style tiling system Mm -hmm. tetris yeah it's like tetris i want to play landscape tetris (laughs) (laughs) where it looks almost like the mines the minecraft topography maps all in all this system looks like it's going to be pretty cool uh where you unlock parcels or do chain quests to get more parcels uh for specific land masses and you place the land masses where your area is you have control over it I actually really like this concept. I really, really do. And it harkens back to some of the older games where players would have input in how their cities were built, uh, their guild cities and things like that. It has sort of that feel to it. You're terraforming your land, which is really nifty. The only thing that I wondered about as I was watching or reading up on this is, yeah, it's very cool and all that. And the ability to give away parts of your land to Mm -hmm. other people who are your barons or whatever kind of thing 
is really, really interesting, especially from an RP perspective kind mm-hmm. of thing. But I'm, I'm just keep wondering why would you build on somebody else's land when you can have your own? Build I, an that, RP. That'd be the only reason why. Maybe you can't afford your own, so or, it's more effective to lease it from somebody else. It also might mm-hmm. depend on what resources you have available, because if I have a lot of rare lands that I've unlocked through different campaigns that other players can't do, like whether, let's say, because there's going to be things that, that are only available in the Eternal Kingdoms that maybe you just want, right? Maybe you want to have a mountainous region. Maybe you want to be in a desert region. Maybe you want to be in an ice region, but those aren't necessarily available to you particularly because you don't play enough. This is an interesting way to let players who maybe miss out on those limited edition campaigns or those limited run campaigns with those rewards, they can rent from another player, which is kind of a a cool little idea so that you can still experience it without necessarily feeling like you left out. And that also kind of, and I don't know how that's going to be economy wise, but I personally like that idea. No, it's like, yeah, it's, it, it could work out. It could create its own little mini economy within the game that they don't even have to design. It's entirely player-based. Yeah. Okay. They did have a little bit more news just actually in the last, I think today they announced some of it even, because they are down to the last 36 hours right now. Mm-hmm. They've topped their 15K subscriber or backers which means that the vr headset support is actually going in they're going to look to do support for the oculus rift and if they're able to do the vive as well which oh dear lord i hope they do the vive my god this would be so much fun with one of those (laughs) i i Even if you're not that much in the idea because you don't like to PvP or whatever, if you're wearing a VR helmet and doing it and swinging your sword, I I know a few people who wouldn't be excited by that. I would be. <laughs> <laughs> they're also looking at uh, if they can get to 1.5 mil, they're currently at 1.463. They're going to introduce um, in- the infected rules and Minotaur archetype. So that's within the the reasonable that we can expect that to go in. They're looking at if they can get 15.5k backers and all father statue relic upgrade for your kingdom. I whatever. At 1.6 million a tournament system and at 1.7 that's the big one. Combat enabled pets. So not only your mount can fight before you but you can also get some badass freaking local animals to fight for you as well. That yeah. though at 1.7 36 hours to go. I don't know if they can they can hit that. Probably not, but I'll take Minotaur. If I can be a Minotaur and go gore something, I'll be happy. Yeah. This, I would be very, very happy with those combat-enabled pets. That would be freaking awesome. I can't so, imagine it wouldn't be something that would come potentially much later. Later on, anyways, yeah. yeah. So they are doing exceptionally well. I was talking to Joe about that, too. There was an email that went out saying they were inside of the top 20 games ever on Kickstarter right now, so they're doing very well. Which, I mean, it's nice to see, but I'm not going to lie, I'm fairly surprised by that. Yeah. I did not expect them to hit that high. I actually did, because the hype is crazy for this game still. Even though there's a lot of people who may not necessarily... Outside of you two, I don't know anybody else talking about the game. Oh, I do I've got maybe a handful of people on my Twitter feed that have been posting about it, but that's really about it too. 
So, anyways, we will see when it comes up. Sticking mm-hmm. with the VR thing, though, there was an interesting video that was put out on Magic Leap, which was, and Google invested like $542 million into them last year, and so these guys are working on VR as well. They're calling it, though, cinematic reality. And the video that they showed was a first-person shooter type thing where you're fighting these waves of robots and it's kind of like an ar it looks like it would be one would assume but it's kind of hard to tell as well if it's all vr or ar you're getting scenes of a normal kind of room and then things are exploding around you and you get the 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 creatures come out and then you're firing at them it's that kind of stuff that's got me so excited for any of the vr or the the hollow lens as well my God, that looks like it would be a ton of fun. Yeah, as I've said, the AR stuff is far more interesting to me than the VR, and this is the kind of thing I can get excited for. Yeah, the, the you know, boring freaking day at the office, pop on your HoloLens and shoot some robots. <laughs> Boss walks in, just uh, check out some email, sir. Email? There you go. <laughs> It'd be freaking awesome. So and not much to say about that, but it is a freaking awesome Find you can find it online. The uh, the 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 video again. It leads me to to my happy place when I think about what what's in store for us in the next few years. So it's freaking awesome. Moving on, we got another video for Sword Coast Legends, and this was showing us quite a bit of the single player mode. And then next week they plan on showing us for the multiplayer mode. Vince, I'll let you take this. Yeah, next week is absolutely where the money is going to lie. But I was still very happy with what we saw from the single player. It's in every way, you know, like we said, it's the successor to Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights. It doesn't stray from that formula all too much, although you can rotate the camera, which is a huge improvement. (laughs) Jeebus. And and it's, it's simple little things I noticed, like your party will automatically follow the lead character. You don't have to get halfway across the map and realize, fuck, I forgot to select the bard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so simple no thing, but for it, yeah. I, the graphics aren't amazingly impressive, but it's, it's good enough. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it, I, I don't want to say it's disappointing, but it's definitely below par. I would say. I think it's a little too nostalgic. Yeah. Like, like they were trying to replicate the style of Baldur's Gate without it, it, like it's a point where you can either upgrade the graphics or you can keep the style and i think they might have gone a little too far to the left on that one i agree mm-hmm. but like i said the gameplay looks solid it's what we've expected from a D type game of you know you have your typical classes and roles and all the stuff things work a lot smoother than we've seen in the past like it looks like there's actually some ai which is again a huge improvement and just looking at the world and the way your characters interact and in that style of thing choices you make previously will definitely impact what you do later to the point where like i said this guy can be dead he can be alive he can help you he can hinder you simple little things like that it's it's everything I would want out of a single-player game of this type. But big question again, the video that's going to be coming for the multiplayer. Yeah. It's going to be showing off the DM mode as well. And what's actually interesting is they said it's not just the DM mode. It's actually somebody working as the DM within the existing story mission. 
So it's not necessarily going to be its own separate mode exclusively, but you can also do that within the single-player campaign mode, which is actually kind of interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Hmm. Okay. All right, let's move on to Wolf the Red Hood Diaries. We've got a video for this as well, showing the first five minutes of the, the game. It really sets up the feel for it and how, again, it's 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 not your typical type of fairy tale and phenomenal voice acting by the woman who plays Red Riding Hood as well. The style, visual style, was gorgeous once again. She's got this Ezio slash Batman feel to her as she's yep. up on the rafters kind of thing and even <laughs> some of the things that she says, but I'm all right with that. I'm so yeah. all right with that. This uh, Have you either of you guys been play, played this at all or am no, I the yeah, only no. one so far? You are. I believe you're the only one. Okay, this game is phenomenal. Like, I have been ridiculously surprised with how amazing it is. The controls are very, very tight and responsive. The combat is not, uh, you know, overly cumbersome. It actually feels pretty good. It does play better with a uh, an actual controller as opposed to a keyboard and mouse, though you can jam on it with a keyboard and mouse if you really, really want to. And the visual style of the game, like you said, is phenomenal. What you see in the video, that's the entirety of the game. There's these pops of bright colors, but overall it's a very dark, dingy, uh, very industrialized world. And that's the entire point, right? It's not actually like the Big Bad Wolf versus Little Red Riding Hood. It's Little Red Riding Hood versus this guy who killed her father and is ruining everything around him because he's this rich, maniacal maniac who just happens to be named Wolf. The puzzles are fantastic. The animations are what really got me into this game, like what really drew me in in the first couple minutes. When you start to see how she like sneaks and you have those those random moments of like exaggerated animated movement, it's phenomenal. Like I cannot talk enough good about this game. And for the low price point, if you like platformers, uh, even if you're not so keen on the platformers, it's very forgiving at the lower levels it's worth your time. The story is phenomenal. The voice acting is persistent throughout the game too. Like it's not just these little quips here and there in the starting levels. There's constant commentary from the character and it's not just loops. It's not just repeats. As you go through levels, she's saying something new. She's unveiling more of the story. Like you get past the first section and she starts unveiling like her life as a kid and hearing these terrible stories of missing people. It's it just it's so well put together. I am I've been floored by this game. Huh. Awesome. See, when I launched Steam on Saturday, I had the choice to either buy this or buy Ori in the Blind Forest. I think I chose unwisely. Oh, you don't like you don't like terrible controls. Oh my god. <laughs> I the rage. My god. Oh, like <laughs> The game's gorgeous. The story's interesting. The characters are... Spoiler alert. The game is the first 10 minutes of Up, okay? <laughs> it's got that sort of feel to it. But it's got these fun, like, floaty sort of controls, which kind of makes sense for what they're trying to do, at least early on. But it's also trying to be Super Meat Boy. It's trying to be a precision platformer that doesn't have precision controls. So you saying that Hood has the or wolf has the the precision controls uh, that's frustrating engaging story <laughs> amazing visuals great platforming and tight controls for 10 bucks yeah i got most of that for twice as much 
All right, let's move on to last story we're going to cover, and that is Vince. You were just talking about there was probably going to be some Dragon Age Inquisition DLC, and we just got this dropped on our lap. I love what these game companies are doing lately. Like we've been hearing uh, for the past couple of days with uh, Telltale and Game of Thrones episode three. Like, oh yeah, it's going to be out soon. It's going to be out soon. It's out tomorrow. Well, it's out yeah. now. But yesterday they said it's out tomorrow. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, add that to the queue. And then it was the same thing here with I was at Starbucks Monday afternoon. And I was just looking at Twitter and I was like, oh, you know, stay tuned to our YouTube channel for the announcement of the new story DLC coming tomorrow. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. No, 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 it's not the announcement. The friggin' DLC is out now yeah. as long as you're playing on PC or Xbox because they have that timed exclusive. Mm-hmm. And it looks cool as shit. <laughs> it's basically a, an extra zone that they're dropping into the world that you can play during the story or after the story, however you wish. And you are going on the trail of your predecessor as the last Inquisitor who went on this dragon hunt and was never seen again. So you get to this new zone and you uncover, you know, this Avar tribe who is worshipping this this dragon, the uh, Khan, and these Tevinter fortresses and ruins that were, it's gorgeous looking. The trailer is very well done and said it's not just a little quest, it's a fully fleshed out extra zone. All the stuff that you would expect in one of the Dragon Age zones, you know, Astrariums and shards and all that other side stuff, it's all there. So it's not just a linear quest like we've seen with a lot of the Dragon Age DLC in the past, but it fits in with all the gameplay stuff they're doing within Inquisition while also telling its own unique story. And when are we going to be able to get this? Soon. Okay. I don't know they, how they, long they haven't that said, time I don't know. exclusive thing is for. I mean, it, it sucks, but it's the state of the game. Yeah. Like, Xbox players are still complaining because they don't have the Destiny content we've had since September. So I really can't be all that upset. <laughs> Those guns we've never seen <laughs> that never, ever drop. <laughs> yeah. I got one of them. Did you really? Yeah, you I've done the bastard. strikes. I mean, I've done the PlayStation exclusive stuff. No, but I'm talking about there's the two guns, the Monte Carlo and the other one that are bloody freaking rare that I've never seen. So I, I got one. That's all I can it. tell you. <laughs> it all wasn't right. as good as anything else I had, so not like it was terribly useful. But it's not just the guns. It's the actual content, you know, the multiplayer maps and the strikes. So. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted my Monte Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just not a fan of the exclusive stuff, even when it works in my favor. Neither am it's, I. It but makes it's, no it's, sense. Well, it's the state of the industry. Them, yeah. What are we going to do it's about it other than stupid. bitch and moan? Well, that's what that's why we have a podcast. Exactly. And with that, we're <laughs> we done throw for our night. lack of weight around. Damn it! Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us live. You can come and join us next week on Monday at seven p.m. Eastern time, and we'll be on time. I promise. And you can find us online at for shut up, dude. <laughs> shut up. This is. There's there's good reason. Anyways, you can make sure to stop by the site at For the Lore. Leave us your thoughts also on iTunes or Stitcher. You can find us on Twitter at For the Lore or individually Joe at Loaders at J, Vince at Samodian, and myself at Zen Buddhist. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. 
Stop by ForTheLord.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.